to some sides having a catastrophic Boxing Day and for others going on their own goal fests being marched on. We have heaps to discuss on tonight's edition of the FPL Addicts podcast with just another deadline around the corner. Fantasy managers, good evening or good morning, wherever you may be tuning into Game Week 20 edition of the FPL Addicts podcast. For tonight, your host, and he, just like the elephant on top of a tree, he's somehow still on top. The question, the, the, it's a matter of time of when's he going to get down. It is your host in Charlie Roberts. And tonight, once again, I'm joined by someone from the FPL Amateurs Australia podcast in Quentin. Quentin, good evening to you. And just want to double check, is that really your living room? No, it's not. It's a, it's a backdrop, mate. I'm actually in the spare bedroom, which is just white walls and a plain bed, mate. So nothing too exciting in here. <laughs> Quentin, <laughs> first of all, how was your Christmas and how did you find this festive football period? It's been games galore. And for us FPL managers, it's the best time of year. No, it, it's been good. As as we saw in last week's show, I actually had a decent week. Um, so I was pretty happy with the week before. And then this week was a little bit of a downer, but I still managed to salvage a slight red arrow. So it wasn't too bad. There were so many missed chances in every single game on the weekend. And I think we we're just speaking off here about the Spurs-Brighton game. I had a lot of invested interest in that game. And yeah, didn't get too much out of that game. But nah, I love Christmas period just for that reason is there's deadlines galore you finish a week and then within a day the the next game week starts so it's been good indeed because we've got so much to catch up on very briefly we'll go through game week 18 the main one of the main discussion points will be game week 19 but also turning our attention to game week 20 just on the right hand side here we have got the game week 18 scores and Looking at all of this, I think the worthy starting point is the Aston Villa versus Sheffield United game, which, according to the effective ownership, Ollie Watkins was the most favoured captain for the game week, more than Salah and Chong Min Son. Quentin, were you one of those that backed Aston Villa's number 11? No, I didn't, mate. Um I got let down from Watkins the week before and I thought that was one week good enough for me and I'm not going to do that again. So I ended up going with Salah. But, you know, I wasn't too disappointed to see Watkins wasn't on the score sheet just because I know if he was on the score sheet, we probably weren't winning the game. Oh, sorry. We're looking at week 20. Sorry. I've jumped through to no, that's all right. the next I've week. Um, got game week 18. Oh, uh, yeah. It's very quick. Yeah, sorry. I, had asked, sorry, I did have Watkins uh, as my captain, unfortunately. Um didn't get a massive return so yeah it was uh i sort of expected a better showing from watkins us you know heading into this fixture i think we've seen sheffield minimize the attacking returns of popular assets in the past and you know me being me decided that um i wasn't going to look at the history and uh go what was what was in front of me and uh did not work out at all (laughs) 
Quentin, from your perspective, were there certain games within that? It was quite a gigantic... Well, it was Friday night, of course, but Saturday games, was there any that really stood out to you? Um, I would say maybe the Bournemouth-Nottingham Forest game. I was thinking the same with um, this as well. It's a cracker. Yeah, so Solanke still got, um, you know, massive return, but he could have had more. It could have been about five goals um, watching that fixture. So I'll take the big points return from Solanke, but it could have been massive. And, you know, I'm not sure if you saw on the socials, my co-host, Captain Solanke, uh, that week as well. So I was the first person he messaged when he woke up in the morning to let me know that uh, I should have just copied him for the week. So, um, you know, Damo always doing uh, big things on the podcast. He's a West Ham fan. So things are always massive in terms of uh, Damo's FPL, but it could have been a lot more than the three goals. So I think Solanke's proving to be quite a consistent asset and Bournemouth are playing exciting football. They are too. And your podcast friend in Damo was, had an extremely high game week ranking too. At one stage, we're in 650th. Yes, it was ridiculous. I thought I was high when I saw, I think I was 3,000 for the week. And I thought, oh, how good is that? And Damo sort of sent me through the screenshot and he said, oh, Look how high I am. So he had to one up me. <laughs> Just to briefly bow out, we'll go for Wolves Chelsea because, in terms of a fantasy manager perspective, conundrum wise, it only got worse because Palmer decided to have Christmas off, kick the ball away, and Raheem Sterling got booked, who's a somewhat semi popular asset in the fantasy game. Also got suspended and got his booking for the season. But for Wolves-wise, it was a relatively important win. I think there's one person that has sort of caught my eye. I'm not sure about you, but Sarabia seems to be involved a lot in a lot of Wolves' goals. And I don't think anyone's really giving him a mention. Yeah, no, well... Just looking at uh, their game on the weekend, he was involved in everything, and usually it's uh, the likes of Cunha or Huang, but he was he was providing pretty much most of the attack, and I think five chances created as well. So he's actually consistently the last sort of few weeks been one of their most creative players and doesn't always transfer to FPL, but this game he could have had a lot more like FPL returns, which would make him a popular option because a lot of people still have Huang in their team. So, you know, if you're going to have Huang in the team, you, you've definitely got to be looking at Sarabia. Yeah, speaking of Huang, who will touch base shortly and him needing to depart for Asia Cup, or in actual fact, he got injured against Brentford. Should managers consider a sideways move to either Pedro Neto, who made an appearance on the bench, or Zarabia, because Zarabia showing the more form, but in terms of probably ceiling and the rate of consistency, Pedro Neto showed it, showed it early in the season. Yeah, well, just looking at the last four fixtures, he's had three um, attacking returns in his last four fixtures. So, you know, I think um, we've seen with Wolves that if there's an asset like that that stands out, hits a purple patch, it usually lasts for a few weeks. And, I couldn't imagine it'd be too expensive either, so I definitely don't mind the sideways move because Wolves have looked a lot better in attack than um, I, they looked early in the season. I was quite worried whether where the goal's going to come from, but probably the last sort of month or so they've been really good. 
Yeah, I think Gary O'Neill's done a really good job at Wolves too because we did hear a lot of people questioning departing, well, in actual fact, getting sacked and Bournemouth going to Wolves and then doing what he's doing. And Sarabia, I had a guess he would be 4.7. He's actually a 4.7 million midfielder. Same price as Garnacho for Manchester United, which yeah, I genuinely well, find that quite crazy. Yeah, well, we are going to be looking, I guess we're going to have a lot of cash to splash with um, you know, the players that are leaving for the Asia Cup and the Africa mm. Cup of Nations. But, you know, I don't mind that option leaving a little bit of money on the bench, obviously, for the return of Harlan and even Kevin De Bruyne, which, you know, could be a couple of game weeks away. So I don't mind a move to these sort of enabling assets still, even though we're not having to sort of, I guess, have them in our team because we have all that extra money. But I don't mind a couple of those cheaper assets. I think I spoke to someone today about Garnacho. So if you're talking about Garnacho in what I'd say is a, a pile of poop in Manchester United, I think you have to be looking at Sarabi, who's actually playing in a side that's hasn't looked too bad. Moving swiftly to game week 19, the results that have just gone by. Looking at the first five fixtures going half and half, there's one game I want to go to because you called this last time you were on the pod, another Luton victory, Quentin. Take for floor. Yeah, I was actually quite impressed of how they played. Um, I sort of thought it would be – I did say that they'd get the win, but I thought it would be a bit of a ball fest. But actually, it was quite exciting this game, and there could have been a few more goals in this fixture. And, you know, looking at Luton, they don't have one play that sort of stands out from in a FPL perspective but it might be something to take away from maybe targeting them because they have looked a lot better especially at home so um i think that's what i took out of this fixture is luton might not be that team that you can sort of bank on clean sheets against because they looked quite good in attack and probably not a team you can target um i know we've got um certain players that are facing luton this week that a lot of people are sort of rushing to get in Maybe it's a bit of food for thought looking at the result from this week in the last couple of games that maybe it's not the fixture everyone's hoping for. At home to Chelsea on Saturday. Speaking of one of the gems who did score, but when you partially, I thought it was really poor goalkeeping from foddering him, in, which is brought to my conclusion that he should be dropped from that Sheffield United team. Alfie Doughty, all of a sudden, you got a return against Arsenal. Manchester City, from what I can recall, and then got another one here. I think he's priced at four point five million now. Is he a defender you'd think worth considering from a budget perspective? Yeah, well, I don't think he's a, a just a bad, like just as good an asset as what Taylor is from Burnley. And you know, looking at Burnley lately, I don't think they're going to keep a clean sheet anytime soon. And Luton's defense has looked a lot better. And He's actually a player we were looking at, I think it could have been maybe about six or seven game weeks ago, um, heading to that double sort of where they had the double game week. Um, he's actually looked really good in attack. And I was looking at the stats like early in the season, and he was actually creating a, a few chances from that sort of wing back position, but no one was obviously finishing the chances. So there was no FPL points. So he's kind of stayed under the radar, but he's a quite attacking fullback gets into great positions and, Looking at the history of last season, the championship, he provided a few assists and was probably nearly one of the best attacking um, fullbacks in the championship. So I think there is a little bit of form underlying um, with looking at him. And I, I definitely think he's a pick. And, you know, people have Taylor on their bench. I don't think uh, 
Doherty's like a, a worse option. I think he's just as good, if not maybe a little bit better. Before going to the latter state, the latter games within game week 19, Quentin, did you want to have a quick word on your side, Manchester United and their second half resurrection? Yeah, it was great. I was um, I was pretty much done in that first half. I was uh, watching the game and, um, yeah, it was painful. It just uh, looked like 11 separate plays playing on the pitch and no one wanted to pass the ball to each other and, the final pass is horrible and it doesn't help when you concede two early goals and you go down two nil, um, your backs against the wall, but that second half, it's probably the best sort of half of football we've played in, I'd say three months. Um, Ganacho was making fantastic runs. Rashford looked a lot better, more confident on the ball was beating players, getting balls into the box. Um, and we saw, uh, Rasmus get the goal that uh you know been praying for miracles to happen and yes you know if he finally got some service and I've been saying it for weeks now is if we just get the ball into the box for him he can score goals we saw in the Champions League and on the weekend so I think it was off a set piece into the box bounce back and he hit it put it in you know the bottom corner so I I definitely like the look of Ganacho he is just he he's just an incredible player to watch and there's games where I'm thinking he could definitely get more attacking chances if our you know attack sorts itself out and that second half our attack looked really good we could have had another two goals I think we had one chalked off so I think with the fixtures coming up you're going to want to look at a player and I think Ganacho is probably the most obvious uh, I don't think Rashford's worth the money I don't think Bruno's worth the money but Rasmus, if he can find a bit of purple patch, he's definitely an option. I think he's only seven million up top there, so it's another option for people to go. But yeah, I think um, Ganacho, he's on my list. I think my co-host brought him in for this upcoming game week. So the first, I think the first thing he said to me was, "I hate myself, but I've done it." And then he showed me the screenshot of uh, Ganacho on his side. But You're if right. I didn't have a few other issues this week, I probably would have went to Ganacho. Speaking of issues, we need to talk about one team against another side who have issues defensively, but on this occasion, they were superior for 80 minutes of a game. I'll put that as an asterisk. Brighton versus Tottenham, where Jao Pedro's show, converting his penalty as the Pinion Rocket Man, a bit of an audition Elton John type. And Spurs chucked 81 crosses into her own box within the last 10 minutes. Quentin, that was a lot to digest on the Amex. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, I would say, the game of missed opportunities. I think what was Richarlison offside about three times for three one-on-ones, and then he hit the post and then missed two clear headers off Son passes as well. So... It was surprising. I didn't expect Brighton to be that good, but um, they would come out firing and Spurs just didn't have an answer in that first half. And, you know, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that uh, dressing shed at halftime because I think Ange would have been ready to strangle someone because it was disappointing how they played football in that first half. But credit to them, that second half, they could have easily had another six or seven goals to sort of turn that fixture around. But I still think you're, you're wanting these Spurs assets. I think Son's got another game week before he heads off to the Asia Cup. And then you've got the likes of Brennan Johnson, who I think was pretty unlucky not to get an attack in return. I think he had about six or seven chances created in this fixture, but just 
Spurs just couldn't finish the chances. And Pedro Poro was probably man of the match for me from uh, Spurs. He was incredible. I think he could have had two goals. Like, there were decent chances. They were. I just find it mind-blowing, too, how he gets two bonus despite scoring four goals. In addition, Purvis Estupinian in your eyes, Quentin. Is he all of a sudden back onto the high-priority part of your radar? Yep, that goal is just why he needs to be in your side because he does that. Like, that wasn't a one-off. He does that quite frequently and gets great shots off. But also, his attacking presence, and I think that's what Brighton have missed, is the way that he can go down that wing, getting great attacking positions, draw defenders out of the box, which then leaves space for the likes of Pedro and, and Ferguson and uh, Pascal Gross. So... I think of him playing, Brighton are a completely different team and we probably need to start looking at them a bit differently um, compared to probably the last, you know, four to five weeks where we're like, oh, a team's got Brighton. We, you know, target them because they haven't been great. But with Purvis back, I definitely think they're another, a different team. It's a great way to look at it because Deservey himself is an attacking-minded manager We'll go straight to your team, Quentin, from last game week. We'll try to put it full screen and got it off the screen shot. <laughs> and you speak it of Poro, you got his points. How did you go arrow wise? Um, I think I had maybe for maybe a 10k, 20k uh, red arrow, so it wasn't too bad. I think I started the week at about 540k, and I think I finished on about 570k. 560k or something like that so um it was a minimal rank change for me but you know what could have been um i had areola on the bench with the 10 points which uh, yeah who would have thought that uh newcastle would have got slapped by uh nottingham forest <laughs> i did not pick that one at all but um yeah i'm pretty happy with my side still like looking at um you know, the likes of my Spurs assets definitely could have been a lot better than what they had. And Salah, yeah, frustrating. He could have had a couple of goals as well. But, you know, I'm, I'm happy um, with my team heading into this week. As I said, I'm not sure whether I'm going to make a move or not. Um, I might just roll the transfer this week. But, yeah, can't do too much about this week. A lot of people are in the same boat as me. Some people are a lot worse off than me, so I won't complain too much. I like your comments there. As, uh, Kudus is also going to AFCON as well. What's your approach heading into game week 21, especially trying to sort him and Mo Salah potentially shipped out of your team? Yeah, so I'm going to have Son, Kudus and Salah I'm going to have to get rid of. But, you know, as I said, I, I wanted uh, Ganacho in this week. But uh, as I said to you, I'm, I'm not sure who I'd take out. And But... Ganacho will be coming into my side for Kudus, um, possibly Bowen for Salah, um, and then looking at maybe a City asset for Son. But, um, yeah, we'll see. Like, I'm tempted to keep Salah because if I get out Son, I'm going to have the money for Haaland when he comes back. But I just don't know whether I can justify keeping, you know, someone of Salah's price on the bench for about three or four weeks. So, yeah, I've, I've got a few options there, um, a couple of differential options. And obviously, with Purvis back, he might take a, a bit more of a priority than getting rid of Salah or something over the next week. So it'll be a yeah. bit of a watch and wait for myself. Okay, so 
I've seen this question on Twitter today. I wanted to get your take on it. Out of Salah and Son, who would you prioritise in terms of selling and benching? I think, uh, I, in my opinion, I think that South Korea will run late into the tournament. I could see them either in the final or the semifinals, which would probably leave Son out for you know, at least probably, what, three to four games. And then Salah, I actually don't think Egypt are going to make it deep into the tournament. I'd probably, I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe make the knockout round and and leave after that first game. So I think he, Salah realistically could be back before 24. So I'm probably saying bench Salah and sell Son. And depending what value you have as well, tied up in, in Salah as well. Mm. Just briefly, just have to touch base with my own <laughs> podcast league. Somehow still on top. Elliot's making a cheeky charge. We'll go to Chris Reedy's team, who we've had a chat with within the last week. Look, he's got oh, Hee Chan. He scored two. Brentford gifted one for his late Christmas for his second goal. Son Archer, not bad assists there. And yep, again, Ariel on the bench. He's two point nine million. He's about as slow as a snail, and I don't really understand what his season ambitions are. Oliver Walker Peel played his free hit, which is quite intriguing. Quentin, do you get merit from? Do you understand the merit of managers who would want to play a free hit in a game week that has just gone by? Maybe just trying to mix things up. I think um, it wasn't last season and the season before. I think I used my free hit like week three or week four um, just because I wanted to target certain plays that I wasn't going to have the next week due to bad fixtures. But yeah, I'm not sure. I'm just looking at the side. Um, what did he end up on? 56 points. Oh, sorry. No, I went a bit too quick. He only got 35. So he got the double Liverpool clean sheet and the son and son assist. And that's it. Yeah. I love Ollie mate, but um, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> not sure <what> <laughs> I don't know on, either. But... But, um, yeah, power to him. Like, I think I've used the triple captainship uh, early in this season and didn't work out at all for me. So um, I can't, um, I guess, be too negative on it because I've done a similar with another chip where it hasn't worked out and didn't look good at all. The executive of the podcast team, Jack Gillibrand, scored 56 this week. He's had a slow start to the season, but this may be one of his finest Today, got a chan, a Senezay clean sheet, which I've seen with some sides. I did pick up the Bournemouth defender and he delivered on this occasion. Watching the game, I know we didn't touch base on it on the fixture. And what a privilege it was to 2 a.m. just to watch Utah put on a masterclass, Alex Scott go dancing in the stars around the box to set up Clivert's goal. It was such a joy. He had Senezay, Bowen. See, both who held Bowen during his injury. Absolute masterstroke. He was a lot better hold than those that had both Bowen and Matoma. Because I think yeah. Matoma at the time would be a bit more expendable and it's certainly proven that way because Matoma just can't get a return these days. No. It, especially in the side that, I mean, against Spurs, I sort of thought that he might get something. But, um, yeah, it was coming from elsewhere. Yeah. The Reverend getting 34, got Poro assist. Double Liverpool clean sheet, which helps. Bowen with his assist. Some with an assist. Who is it? I mean, goals for Alvarez and Solanke. So 
it's actually not a bad game week and a fair few contributors chipping in. Elliot with his half century, raised the bat, nothing else. Zenizay, Poro, Alexander-Arnold, Ward-Prowse got an assist as well from the corner thanks to Mavropanos' henner. Yes, I don't want to talk about Arsenal because we were garbage and Alvarez gets his goal rightly so. But this is where it's at, 30 points. Just like um, the Glazers on the beers, I'm getting red arrows for 10 more years. It's just where it's at. You've got power of an assist, sudden assist, Solanke goal, and thanks for coming. And that's Bournemouth's first penalty in 609 days. Who would have thought about that? Um, yeah, so Bournemouth. I think it might be an intriguing watch at the moment. So, just double check. I forgot. You're a Solanke owner? Yeah, I am. So, would you look at a captaincy option against the Spurs defense that we saw this morning? It's very intriguing because I've got a captaincy coming up. He's not in it, but and one from the Spurs is at the moment. I think so, because Ange isn't going to change his game plan, and Bournemouth are quite attacking. He's on the forefront. I think a big thing that Dom Solanke's had this season is confidence. In previous seasons with other clubs, he hasn't had that. But under Bournemouth and Ariola, whose his game style really suits Solanke's attributes and his strengths. I think that's the best way to look at it. Just going very quickly as part of the job here. We've got the Women's League here. It's actually quite tight at the moment as part of EFPL Addicts. Two points between the top two, between Melissa and Helen, and you've got 25 points separating third and seven. Just try and get the other one. Solanke, I think so. There hasn't been much talk on Marcus Tavernier ever since that game at Old Trafford either. It's been more Solanke and Senezay. Do you feel as managers we've got a bit overreactionary in terms of Tavernier's potential and the role he has within the team? Well, he see he I think he started two straight games and um he was looking great, creating a lot of goal chances, wasn't getting the massive returns, but was getting FPL returns. But I think it was the next game he got benched again and it was kinda like, oh, well, is he now like we thought he was, but then, you know, I I guess he's an enabler, but then when we spoke about the likes of Ganacho, um, Pascal Gross, I don't think is that um, expensive either. Um, you've probably got better players at that cheaper price that you know are going to start most weeks rather than, I guess, taking that punt on an enabler from um, Bournemouth who might be benched. Mm. So I think it was just a lot of us assumed that he had that spot locked down, but then... Obviously, the next week, I think it was after our podcast, I said about Tavernier as, you know, one of the, the best pickups for the week, and then he got benched that uh, following game week. So, yeah, not great. <laughs> for his yeah, and from those, yeah, and from those assets, you're looking at the teams like Bournemouth where you're, you're picking those assets because you know they're going to play every week, unlike sort of the pep rotation or, you know, other bigger clubs in the league. And, you know, you're picking him up and next minute he's getting rotated as well. So I just, I think there's a few negatives around sort of bringing him in as an option until we can see he's going to get consistent game time. Into the old public league we go. We've got Stephen up the top, but there's actually one person that we know quite familiar 
who will get to his team very shortly. I'm not sure if he's watching at the moment. But so Old Man SC, who's ranked 2,652nd, which is quite impressive. 47, not too bad for a game week. Probably a tiny, a very tiny green arrow. Poro, Alexander Arnold, Salah and Porto Blank, Bowen, Solanke, and Alvarez worthy contributors. But because he's in the top. 11, and we can see his name without the need to scroll, similar to going on an iPhone and you don't have to scroll through Chelsea's 2015-16 position. Let's go to TN's side. He finished on 40 points. Pyro, Alexander-Arnold, Bowen, and Solanke. Quentin, as TN as a manager, I wanted to try and get him on the pod tonight. What stands out to you in terms of the traits that he has and his preparation behind the game? Like usually he is pretty safe, but he he plays smart safe. It's not just um, following the crowd, but he's had a couple of uh, decent picks where he's got on players before. Um, I guess the rest of the FPL community on Twitter sort of found those players, which has helped him the last few weeks. He's actually had some decent scores, and they've been from like players. I think he got on Solanke a bit early. I think he um, he got on Jesus um, before his first sort of, I guess, I wouldn't say Hall, but first good points in the last few weeks. So he's been finding these players that sort of aren't highly owned and getting on them early, getting their points before they become popular. So it's actually, he, he did it a lot last season as well, but just consistently the last few weeks, he's been doing it um, week in, week out, which has helped him get up the, the ranks. Straight to the twin game week 20 fixtures we go, which starts tomorrow night all the way at Kenilworth Road. Luton, the side that we have mentioned already on this episode, up against Chelsea with Cole Palmer coming back from suspension and Raheem Sterling likewise for him. Quentin, more than happy to touch on this early kickoff, but what are some other games as part of this gorgeous menu spread across the span of four days UK-wise? that you're looking forward to the most? I actually think Spurs versus Bournemouth is going to be mm. match of the weekend. I could see no clean sheets whatsoever, no defense. It's going to be all attack. It wouldn't surprise me if it was high scoring. And, you know, I could see Spurs getting that one, maybe 3-2. I think they're going to concede, which, unfortunate for a Poro owner, is not great. But I could definitely see um, Pedro getting uh, some attacking returns in that fixture. But... I think um, Spurs are going to make up for what was a lacklustre first half, and I think they're going to start this game on fire, and I can see them getting the win. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a really good game. Lots of us too. Of course, City would be called the obvious one. I completely agree with that. But so Palace-Brentford, not so much from an FPL perspective. I mean, if you've got a Palace attacker, it might proof fruitful but Brentford have lost four in a row Palace are probably one defeat away from Boy Hodgson but from a Premier League perspective I actually think this is one of the games of the round that has so much stake and riding on it and for those that are back differentials from both sides I think that would pan out quite well to be fair but the main one West Ham versus Brighton FPL wise because you see a lot of jumping on Jared Bowen and seeing who Benches slash field is Areola, plus on the Brighton hand. Some may go for Purvis or Stupinian. Some may go for Pascal Gross. Or for any zombie teams out there, they still have Joao Pedro. 
In your eyes, Q, what are you expecting from the game on Tuesday night at the London Stadium? I think there's going to be goals in this fixture, and I've actually got Kudis as a bit of a differential captain pick for this week. I I think he's going to give their, yeah, a nice little parting gift, almost like a, a late Christmas present um, where you look around the tree, you think all the presents are gone next minute. Kudis has left a nice little haul before he goes off to international duty. So I actually think he's a decent option. And Bowen, I would put in the same bracket as well. If you've got Bowen, I think he could be a decent option. And, you know, looking at Pedro, a uh, good friend of mine at D10 Football actually got Pedro in last week and he woke up this morning and uh, he was cheering and, you know, I was happy for him because Pedro's actually consistently been playing every game and if he's not playing up top, he's playing out wide. So he could be a nice sneaky option in this fixture as well. And I West Ham, two clean sheets in a row, but surely that's not the new norm. I don't think they can keep keeping these clean sheets, but we'll see. Back on stage now. We're going to look at the transfer traffic very quickly in terms of the top five out and the top five in. Q, are there any names that catch you by surprise or do all of them look as expected? Um, I'm surprised with the amount of people going for Alvarez. Obviously, um, him being on penalties, no Harlan. Um, you know, he's got a lot of people pretty happy, but I actually thought Foden... Um, and Bernardo Silva are probably the two options from City that I think could possibly be the the better options over the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, I was a little bit surprised at the amount of people bringing in Alvarez, especially with the, I guess, the amount of um, strikers you have to pick from in likes of Watkins, Jesus, Solanke. Uh, you could say Cunha from Wolves as well, um, consistently been getting returns. So, yeah, I'm a little bit surprised if that. Trent Alexander-Arnold, not surprised. He's been absolutely ridiculous the last probably five game weeks. So I think people have, with that extra money, getting out the likes of Son, Salah, Haaland, um, you know, have that extra money. Bowen, I can understand that. Probably a lot of people that really wanted to get Kudis in, but with him leaving, I think, um, yeah, he's probably not an option. And Bowen's the second best option there. So I think he's a great option, but... Yeah, most of those, um, I'm pretty confident they, you know, would be highly owned this upcoming week. Maybe Ganacho, um, depending on this fixture away to Nottingham Forest, has goals in it. But, yeah, I was more of a wait another week for Ganacho. But a lot of people are jumping on the beer wagon early, so good on them. I could understand the Ganacho to an extent. Probably not as high as fifth. But that Forest away game would suit him, I feel, should he get the start because with Nuno's game style, we've already seen the first two games. They're not sound defensively, but attack-wise, I think certain players in that team are flourishing a lot better within a short period of time. For example, Chris Wood, the noticeable one, having scored his hat-trick away at Newcastle. But I really like to look at Morgan Gibbs-White, who showed a bit under Steve Cooper from time to time. But Anthony Alanga, I think, has been the big standout. With Man yep. United having got rid of him, as a United fan, when he was on the pitch, what did you see in terms of his potential? He's just electrifying. He's um he lacked a little bit of a finished product um, when he got into those areas um, in scoring goals for us. But you know when he left the Nottingham Forest, I thought he could be a really good pick. And I think we spoke about it. Might have been the first five weeks of our pod that. Once he locks down that starting role, 
I think he becomes a really good FPL asset. And yes, he hasn't had maybe three or four game weeks in a row where he's been getting consistent returns, but the last few weeks he's just looked incredible and could have had more uh, in that Newcastle game. Um, but yeah, I disappointed we let him go, obviously with uh, the lack of attacking options we, we have at the moment, but no, nah, it's good to see him um, flourish in in a team where I feel that he should be starting every week because I think he's just the most talented player in that side, in my opinion. Are you surprised by Gordon being seriously the most transferred out, or do you feel it should have been Trippier or elsewhere? I actually thought Gordon would have been the most transferred out last week because I just don't think their fixtures have been that good. And, and Gordon... Yes, he's he's had FPL returns, but consistently compared to people around that price, like if you spent a little bit extra and went Kudus or went Palmer, I feel like they've been consistently getting more attacking chances in better positions and and more like tal- as a talisman for their side, whereas I don't think Gordon is. I think it's almost spread out. Like Almiron's had his moments. Um, we've had Wilson when he starts, he's had his moments. Isaac's had his moments. So I just don't don't think Gordon's that player we're going to get consistent returns from. So I was actually surprised it wasn't, you know, last week or the week before that he was getting transferred out. Mm. I think what I've noticed on Twitter especially is there's certain phases of sides in which one would be those that have got a gigantic injury conundrum and have no choice but to field players that don't have the most favourable fixtures. Or those that have two free transfers, loads of money in the bank, probably more than Commonwealth and ANZ combined, and could just go for whoever they like. In terms of your side and how you're shaping up heading into the coming game weeks, what part of the spectrum is your side on at the moment in terms of most luxurious as possible to absolute carnage? Um, it's, it's not too bad actually, to be honest, I think I've got about four moon in the bank. Um, I've got the free transfer for this week, but I'm in a position where I don't really need to make a transfer because the only player that I get out this week was Kudus and I, I think he's going to score in this fixture. So yeah, I'm actually in a really good position. I've got the money there so I can go to Harlan if he comes back and, you know, I do have obviously the fires of Kudus, Son, and Salah to put out, but you know, keeping them for another week leaves me with two transfers next week, and I'm happy just to bench one if I can't get them all three out over the next few weeks. So, yeah, I'm actually, um, I feel like I'm in a pretty good position. My my defense is good, um, but yeah, with the likes of Purvis coming back, he is another option that I can move sort of a Sufal or even a Taylor onto. Q, was there any? points worth discussing heading into game week 20 or certain talking points you really took out of the game week that has gotten by? Um, maybe just looking towards the upcoming game weeks with how what formation you're going to be playing because would you prefer to have the five, not premium midfielders, but spending attackers. more money in your midfield or still playing with the three strikers up top? because there's a lot of options up top and a lot of options in the midfield. So I think this could be a bit of a, I guess, a, what do you say, a fork in the road where you could go one way and it could pay off or you go that way and, it, and you could end up falling behind. I think as Merritt now, for the first time this campaign, which 
you could be able to downgrade that fifth midfielder slot because throughout the entire series season, it's been 3-5-2 mainly, template, Watkins, Harlan up front. But I haven't seen Dom Solanke, especially come in as a replacement for Harlan. And then with that spare change, you could bring in another striker, and that's a great route for points. I think it probably is a 3-4-3. You wouldn't want to... You want to avoid fielding more than three defenders, I feel, because clean sheets are hard to come by. But on the other side of the equation, you want to trust attacking defenders. So the two that clearly stand out are Alexander-Arnold and Pedro Poro. It's more finding the other one, because Trippier, I don't think, is it at the moment. Purvis is stupid, stupid Yan could be, but we need to see more from him. How do you see this formation being evolved in the weeks to come? Yeah, it's a good thing you brought up the fullbacks because I feel like they're starting to come back into play a little bit in terms of attacking returns, not more like the clean sheets. But um, in a couple of weeks, you're going to have Man United and, you know, we've been pretty bad this season. But Diego Dello could become an option as well with our good fixtures. So, you know, the likes of Dello, Poro, Trent, Trippier, um, Purvis, um, your Arsenal at Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko. I feel like that's also another factor to be looking at because a lot of people might be investing a little bit of extra leftover cash from the, the no Harlan and, you know, other premium assets missing, maybe putting into their defensive line. You might see the switch to four at the back. That's a real funny one, the whole entire situation. Players who are going to AFCON and Asia Cup, you said you've got players affected again. It was Salah, and then there's Kudus, and then there's Son. And is that Son. right? Son, yeah. yeah. So you're going to get rid of Kudus. You're probably going to bench Salah at the moment, only because they're going further in. Is that correct? I I don't. I think he could be back um, by week 24. I think that they will make it out of the group, but I think they will. That's where their journey will finish. I don't think they'll make it deep into the tournament. So depending on whether they rest him or not, but I could see him back before Son, which my value held up in him. I think I've got um, Salah at his starting price. So um, I think he's worth 13.3 or 13.4 now. Yeah, yeah and when I looked at selling him um, when I was just playing around with my side, you're only getting 12.9. So whereas Son, I got him as what his starting price was as well, but it, I feel like it's not as bad if I get him out compared to Salah if I don't need to. I think the whole idea for Son is being made redundant too because with the amount of Spurs options there are in attack and they're not as rotation-prone as opposed to other Liverpool midfielders such as Yota, Gakpo, Jeez, who's the others that are in that midfield of the slot? It's not Darwin Nunes, but all of those could be rotated. But for Spurs, considering their injury crisis, which downplays their outcomes usually, but the starts from their midfielders become a lot more secure. For example, Madison coming back mid-January, the one that you pointed out two weeks ago, pretty much him, the playmaker of that side, Kuliseski, Brennan Johnson. You've got alternatives there, along with Richarlison. Yeah. And La Celso as well, um, which will yeah. probably see a bit more game time once Son leaves as well until Madison's back. And I think Kulusevski's out this week with a yellow card. So 
Um, Lacelso, silly too. Lacelso is think four point eight. Um, yeah, yeah, four point eight options. So um, that brings him in as well, and and Brian Gill and and Valiz as well. Um, yeah, their striker that scored this morning. So yeah, it'll be interesting actually um, in terms of different Spurs assets you can move to. Well, Felice may have come on and scored a goal, but it was certainly no Felice number dud for Tottenham away at the Amex because they just got absolutely outplayed from minute one. Sorry, mate. I just had their move taking. <laughs> just while we take a mini break from our agenda, we go through to the comments and see how we're going. Hello, Miriam. Hope you're going well. Colm, probably right up there, one of our number one fan. Yeah, he's always on the stream. Thank you very much for your support. We've also got Calvin FPL. Hello, Calvin. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas as well. Palace Brentford come. It's a great shout because our last three games have ended one all, and the last two before that finishes a goalless draw. So if you're back in the draw, make sure you put your savings. I I think on it, John David. I've seen you around out and about. Hopefully, when the next chance comes about, you hit the town. But what's up, guys? Look. We've got loads that is up. We've got a deadline that is coming up. I'll give you that. John, what have we got here? Such a terrible week. Was hoping Odegaard to do something and was disappointed. Should have trusted Bowen to always deliver. And that's what we've learned this season is Bowen has been such a reliable source of points. His ceiling may not be high. He may not fare well on the bonus points, but he's certainly well involved in West Ham's play making is that how you see it as well quentin yeah even if he is out of play and playing balls back in he's you know he's always gonna be putting balls into the box but yeah i think um bowen's the type of asset that will tick along he won't get you 21 point hauls or 20 point hauls or anything like that but he'll just tick along eight points six points ten points so yeah he's just consistent and odegaard probably um should have had something this morning watching that game. He was probably the only asset outside of Jesus who just had lots of chances but just couldn't finish. Quentin, was there a, another discussion point of area you wanted to touch base on? Um, I've seen a lot of talk about the bench boost. Would you yeah. look at a bench boost over this period, trying to get a sort of, yeah, I guess, a, a leg up on other managers waiting for the double game weeks? What we did learn from Game Week 18 especially is that bench boost in the odd Christmas period can work absolute genius. However, overall, I see it more efficient in the double Game Weeks. For example, myself, I got about 35 to 40 points last season. The season before, about, about 10. When I put triple leads in, lovely plum home game, everyone blanked. So you can get really unlucky on the bench boost. I don't know who they played that time. It could have been or West Brom, which would have been just such an easy fiction. They were far from being genuine deliveries. Yeah, so, I think a lot of the people with the leftover money from selling these premium assets, they're going to be able to field a pretty strong bench boost side because where's all that money going to go? Like there's, there's no yeah. really premium assets to spend it on. So they can have a bench that's absolutely incredible. I think my fear when I ever let go of a premium, because my policy has always been for the last, especially two seasons, only captain players are above 10 mil, with the exception of double game weeks, because you're paying so much money for that player, you may as well 
pay the maximum amount possible. So there's been some managers which I don't really understand. I get the Watkins move, but if you're paying four and a half more for Salah and his services, you may as well pay for that much. I get why with Watkins because of a fixture, Sheffield United at home, but that's how I sort of see that philosophy. Now, if you get rid of Salah, which some managers could, AFCON, and you don't get Harlem back in time, who's going to be your point of attack when it comes to actual captaincy and the amount of value that that player has in terms of his purchase price? Would it be a Bakayo Saka at 9 million? Would it be Ollie Watkins at 8.8? That's a tricky part. It's just a scary spot to be in, to be honest, because yeah, it would be. They're either yeah. ten points or two points. <laughs> yeah, come ask us. This is a great shout now, Quentin. You could be the next Elton John on this. Could you play the son during Chaz's captain's corner song? Now I don't have a son, but could you? Are you a piano player? I actually did play piano back in the day. Um, a bit of uh, three blind mice and a bit of uh... <laughs> three blind mice. <laughs> but uh yeah i wouldn't call myself a mozart to be honest but um <laughs> i could i might uh i can always google some uh piano samples and i could uh you know work something out wildcard team from will Shore and hello to you will thank you for joining we've got ariola de Bracco. we love a bit of team dissections trent poro stupid now gabriel gusto Salah, Foden, Richarlison, Bowen. Gusta at, look, he's rating Gusta about Harley's put it in twice. Never know <laughs> if he's naughty or nice. Mateo Gusto's coming to town. That's not quite Captain's Corner, but just a son, if you don't mind. Now, But I like Gusto. Gusto actually looked quite good. Yeah, he has. Now, do we have any points for this wildcard team here? Personally, it looks all right, but... Is it worth going to wild card on Salah if you, or maybe he's held him for a while? I'm not too sure, but is it worth bringing Salah on the wild card this week? Um, if you have a plan, I think. What is the money in the bank for Salah to Odegaard? Um, yeah, I, I don't mind that because you want to have a, I guess, um, a plan to get Harlan in because. Pep is not going to give us any information. He's got it locked down tight, and it's going to be a last-minute move. So I, I I like that option because it could be 10 minutes before deadline this week, and Pep comes out and says, Harlan's training the team. He's going to be starting this week, and all of a sudden you need to find a way to get him in. So I like doing the wild card and then having, the, I guess, the option to manoeuvre to Harlan if you need to. Good shout from Cole. Matt's second one for Gusto could be Cole Palmer. It's a it's a cracking team, but my question is, who are you going to bench every week? Like that is all playable. Could be a players. bench boost, mate. Can you go wildcard a bench boost? We. It's not like the FPL back in the day where you could play all three chips at once. You can only play one at a time. But it's a great <laughs> squad. But you'd have benching headaches every week. You wouldn't know who the obvious players are that are budgeted. But also, they go on the bench every week regardless. That's what makes the decision-making, I feel, a lot easier. You can concentrate a lot on your 11, put big emphasis on it, and then you've got your bench if you need it. For example, it comes handy during the festive period. Yeah, well, I don't know. I feel like hopefully he's got uh, some aspirin because he's going to have a headache working on it. (laughs) Who to bench (laughs) in that side? But um, as I said, there's all this leftover money from – you know, the premium's missing. So 
it does leave the uh, opportunity for the bench boost. So I like it. He's keeping every option open. And um, I, I've, I've tried to play that the last few weeks. Is It's me leaving enough money to go back to Holland if I need to. And I think that he's doing that as well as leaving him the chance to maybe bench boost if it's a, you know, an attractive uh, week. Has there ever been a time when you've started playing fantasy football, Quentin, where there's been so much money left over in the bank, but for such a long period of time, you've, it's very tempting to just play it straight away, but you do need a contingency plan. Have you ever had this period in previous seasons? No, well, I'm usually like a single mum in the middle of inflation, mate, and I've got nothing, nothing <laughs> to rub together. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, lately I've just found myself. I think I've had like over, I think the other week I had about 8 million, uh, 8.9 million sitting in reserves ready for that move to Harlan. So I've actually found a way to save a bit of money, you know, penny pinches menu, looking at these Cole Palmers and Ganachos and saving a bit of money. But yeah, I've never seen a season where we've actually been able to just say, oh, we'll just leave three and a half million on the bench. Usually it's like, why can't FPL give us another million? <laughs> Like a stimulus package. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it did come in handy during JobKeeper period. Not sure what they call it in the UK. Jack, thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Yes, it is an all Aussie lineup for discussion and chat engagement. We'll call it as that for now, but it is time to go through our team's heading into the coming week before you say the best to last, and that is the all-important Captain C. Quentin, we'll put your team on the screen. As we speak, right here, right now. Here we go. So this is your side heading into game week 20. And my first thing that stands out, what an incredible side. Who's on your bench, by the way? I've got Ariola, um, Taylor, and I've got um, Brennan Johnson. And so you've got... And it'd be Sufau on my bench as well. So Sufau, Taylor... Brennan Johnson and Ariel uh, and uh, Devraka. Sorry, Devraka. Okay, yeah. So uh, I wouldn't change much in regards to this. I'd be really happy going into it as it is. Yeah, that's why I said the only player I really would have transferred out for Foden this week was Kudus. But as we spoke about um, their fixture, I could see goals in that fixture, and Kudus I think is a sneaky captaincy pick for this week. A bit of a differential. So if I'm saying that. There's no way I can get him out for this week. <laughs> You're not going my Salah, I see. No, I've I've tossed him up between um, Kudus and Son at the moment, but um, the Solanke one is a little bit interesting as well, especially with how Spurs look defensively. Yeah. I think Solanke is a better captain to shout than Chilman's son, if anything is to go by potentially. Who knows? Um, for yeah. Jack, I've got also a bit. I've got a bit of uh, bit of memo here. So Jack has done some transfer plans. I'm going to read the tech the what I received before tonight's episode as it is. So listen up, listeners. <laughs> At Charlie Roberts, if you need any, if you need any content, let's say I took Wayne out for Garnacho before he scored his brace. Lucky he he got injured. Also makes me feel better. Also bought in Neto this week, which is actually not bad because he made first appearance on the bench, as we mentioned earlier, and he's coming off 
to slowly recovering from an injury after Garrett O'Neill said he was back, but he didn't come off the bench or worked out there. So Garnacho move this week for me. Garnacho for Hwain. Well, to be fair, yeah, both so- both players did score a brace. I think he's timed that relatively well, considering Hwain's got to go. But with Hwain, I want to get your thoughts on this. Hwain is the eighth most transferred in player heading into the game, despite probably going to Asia Cup. Or he's got to go to the sidelines with an injury. Could you understand that move or not? I just think at, at early transfers, I'd say it would have been smack bang after the Wolves game and people would have went, I'm going to get on him now before he goes up in price. And then obviously the news come out that he's injured where, you know, it's bad. Like it's similar to me, I think, last year with Chilwell. I got Chilwell in finally when I was waiting for Chelsea's fixtures and then he didn't he didn't know him play a single game. So... Um, yeah, it is an interesting one, but, you know, we've pointed out Ganacho, Saravia, um, are two alternative options for people that obviously have got Hawaiian in and might need an option for next week. Probably don't want to do two transfers in the one week and get the minus four for the one transfer, but, um, yeah, it's strange, but I'd say it's probably that people going in for the, for the early, uh, transfer and, you know, just touching on Gillers, mate, I think it's the, the baby vomit on the shirts giving a bit of, uh, good luck. You know how when a bird poos on you in Australia, it's supposed yeah. to give you good luck? Well, could be similar with the baby spewing on you. It gives you um, good luck. So, Gillers, mate, you're on to something. Yeah. Well, it could well <laughs> be. In terms of team picks for Game Week 20, we've seen yours. You're rolling the transfer from what I know. Let's bring mine. Da, 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 da. And welcome to Car Crash City, where the grass is green and the football's not so pretty. One free transfer. 0.1 in the bank, and all we can see is flags, the same amount as they would be at your local beach. And for that case, Q, that could be manly. For me, it's probably Williams down on a hot day. This is a side, and I am quite frankly uncomfortable fielding it as this. Yes, it would be handy to have two free transfers and go smack by a mini wildcard with negative four, having the cup matches concluded along with the League Cup. But I feel for this, this is not a way to attack a game week when you have to. Quentin, in terms of transfers, I'm ranked 146-47K, so a really poor week. But remember, tough times don't last, but tough people do. Looking at this side, what's your take on it? What would you see as an okay move? Uh, Matoma out. Um and I'd be targeting a Ganacho or a Saravia um, if you're wanting sort of the differential. But I, I like those two moves from Matoma. And then um, maybe looking at Harlan out for. Oh, who would you go though? Would you go in Alvarez? Do you like Alvarez this week? Or with the leftover money, maybe go Gordon the Foden? Yeah, look, I thought about this. For a hit, I probably won't go Gordon to Foden in case it doesn't pay off because I want something to pay off quite obvious. Matoma, I completely agree with. I think that's more concentration on that than an actual negative four. It's more... So that midfielder comes in and... I think Gordon would be on field with, should I only use a free transfer? Taylor would be first sub. I think that is okay-ish, 
but it's a good way to attack it if I do go for the hit. But Harlem one is it a feel of a waste of wasted transfers? That's the only thing I see because Harlem could be yeah. as ready for his goal come next game week. So I'm a bit hesitant getting rid of Har- Harland this late stage. And our guys in the comments who are still around, we've hit the hour mark, and I call this the hour of power. What power moves do you reckon I should be making? I am the absolute governor so far this season, and we need to retain our crown for hitting the top of the mini league, just like Liverpool are at the moment. And yes, Arsenal, we're not able to do it. So it's a very interesting one. So Matoma out, you think, into a Garnacho Sarabia. Is Michael Elise coming to this frame all of a sudden, or is the return of Eze hindered his potential? I think it um, enhances his potential, but I just don't like Palace's attack, to be honest, if we're, if we're being fair. If, like, even United's attack hasn't been great, and I'd be looking at Ganacho over Elise, but um, Elise definitely, if you were to go to Palace option, I prefer him over Eze at the moment, just because Elise's on uh, free kicks. Okay. Pascal Gross is another option where have you been considered in? From what I heard from Brighton, we've got two more injuries. So one of them being Bonanotte, who's gone down again in the Spurs game. They keep getting more injuries. In which other words, they've got more 19-year-olds they need to debut earlier than expected. I would like to see Pascal Gross move back to right back, if we're being honest. Even though that young fellow that played this morning actually looked quite good. Inshawood? Um, yeah. Gross's... Um, Best attacking games have been from that wing-back position, which I was quite surprised. Mm. Gary, firstly, good evening or good morning to you, and you are absolutely spot on with this. It is certainly burning in the pocket. Jesus, it's going to be a sweaty Saturday, I must admit. I'll wait till the presses in case something... What is it? Kerfuffle happens, and that just puts... Plans in the cheeky pirouette. Bernardo Silva, I had a look at, Colma. This is another good shout. Yeah, I think it's not bad because I know City have a double game week, but would his fantasy returns be sustainable, especially with the equation of Kevin De Bruyne eventually coming back in? He started training with the team. You know, Harlan's going to come back in. I probably think Phil Foden's the best one, but you can't. Look, if I had cash in the bank, I'd just go Bowen or Phil Foden, not without hesitation, but I need to take out one of Salah or Son to get those guys in. It's a, it's a great cracking discussion, and to be fair, I've just said most of the discussion. But yes, yeah, so you're thinking Matoma to a cheeky Garnacho. Yeah, I do. I think there'll be goals in that fixture. I think last season, what was it, 3-2 in that fixture um, at Nottingham Forest. So... I think if we show up like we did in that second half, I think Ganacho is the play that you you want to have. I think Rashford could get an attacking return, but I think it could be all Ganacho. And at his price, I think 4.8 still. Um, yeah, he, he's a great option. Mm. I like to... Bernardo, Bernardo Silva. He's a um, good friend of, the, of our pod, uh, D10 Football. Um, he likes to call his spaceship picks. He's actually yeah. had Bernardo Silva for a good chunk of the season, but he got him out last week, and oh, yeah, he was filthy oh, no. this morning. Yeah, so uh, interesting take on this from Colm. Yeah, De Bruyne would affect Alvarez more than Silva. 
I agree with this because I know Pep has always liked Bernardo Silva in that team. He's always liked Phil Foden in that team. Haaland is his major staple. Always liked Kevin De Bruyne in that side. Always has liked Alvarez, but I think it's in terms of prioritisation. Haaland probably wants to go up top alone instead of playing with Alvarez as two up top. We've seen it play two up top before. It has worked. But I think he's talking about cohesion. He just really wants to retain that squad depth. Jeez. Um, so I want to go to game of 21 very quickly. Well, quickly and briefly and succinctly and swiftly. So we've got, yes, yeah, Salah at board at 12-6. Some board at 9-3. This is actually quite hard. I think if I want to get so much money, I'm looking into get Trent in that defense eventually. Probably for one of the budget defenders. In this situation, would you get rid of Sun or Salah? Was it more team dependent up in the air? I think obviously you bought him at twelve six, so there's a fair bit of value there. Because I think you're only getting twelve point nine um, at the moment if you sell him. I'd probably be moving on from Son and and maybe moving towards, I guess, a Bowen. With that, yeah. that leaves you a little bit of extra money yeah. than maybe going from a Zinchenko or a Gabriel up to Trent. Yeah. Or to, from an Arsenal defender. Okay, yeah. But Arsenal have good short-term fixtures, but I think that's a good shift to Alexander Arnold or Sudden. Back, I just wanted to make sure we've gone through this. Transfers, captains, you've done what you need to. Bonus bank hold. I just want to give a worthy shout-out to their fantastic free tool to help FPL managers edge in their edge own mini leagues on a weekly basis. Number one clean sheet for this coming game week is City at 59%. Asset likely to score should he play Haaland at 67%. That's bonus bank done. Whatever you're doing today, whatever you're doing this weekend, make sure you go and smash it. Now it's time for Captain's Corner, and I'm just going to take it away. Dance a night away, 66 minutes in. To those that have tuned in tonight, thank you once again. Let's go through them because just like a Melbourne Cup, whoever lives in Victoria, it's turned into an open four horse race for this game week. And we start with Mohamed Salah, who's at home to Newcastle. Now, the fact that really caught my eye today is that he has returned either a goal or an assist every time Liverpool posted Newcastle in the league. In his six encounters, such as that, he's returned five goals and three assists. Julian Alvarez at home to Sheffield United, the most transferred in player with now 220,000 owners, I think. The Blades have also conceded the equal most goals of any side away from home, along with Fulham, 23. Alvarez has had a goal and four assists in his last seven league games. He's a popular captain choice with the absence of a Norwegian. Third one, Trent Alexander-Arnold at home to Newcastle. Same with Alonso Salah's teammate, just down back. His last blank coming in game week 11. Since then, it's like one, two, three, four, five. Well, I can cover two, three, and four. He's had two goals since then. He's had three assists and four clean sheets, shutouts, See you later. Two years ago, he scored an absolute rocket at Anfield, which sealed a 3-1 win for Liverpool. But that was during the early days of Eddie Howe's reign as Newcastle boss. 
Shulman Son being the last option at home to Bournemouth. The Korean has had two goals, two assists in his last four. He did score in the reverse fixture when Spurs somehow lost 3-2 at home to Macheros. Utara scored in a 95th minute winner in the middle of April. Furthermore, Tottenham's captain has had 16 goal involvements this season, which is the third of all players, only behind the inevitable Norwegian and the majestic Egyptian. Sorted. That's it for your captain's corner. That is it. Quentin, is there anything you want to give a shout out to? For example, it could be your own podcast. Have you got any exciting news in life? You got any shout outs you want to do? Oh, hang on, wait, wait, wait. That, sorry, that was me. Carry on now. Uh, on Monday, we'll have our podcast back. So obviously we didn't uh, have enough time to do an episode for this week with the, the sharp turnaround. But I'll be back on Monday and we'll have Matt, FBL Matt Day will be on as a uh, guest host of the podcast as Damo's um, off uh, filming Breakback Mountain 2 in the bush somewhere in Victoria. So he won't have any reception, so he won't be uh, on the pod. But uh, I'll have uh, Matt Day helping me out. So... Um, should be out Tuesday night, I think, should be up on all of our sort of socials and um, streaming services, so you'll be able to tune in for some uh, FPL content. Quentin, as a final note, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on to this podcast once again. I hope you've had a lot of fun. I've personally loved to discuss. We've had so much to talk about. That's what is the beauty of being a fantasy manager at this time with deadlines coming thick and fast. Thank you so much once again. No, it's been great, mate. And Chazzy, one of the best fellas going around in Australia at the moment, mate. So I'm always happy to come on and have a chat with you. Thank you. That goes a long way. I really uh, appreciate it. Will, so we've got, well, firstly, Jack, thank you very much. Appreciate it. When is Chaz going to be on our FPL amateurs as well? So I may have asked once or twice, but uh, yeah, let me know, Quentin, and sort it. I'll be there. I'd say it'll be over the next couple of weeks because I'm going to need another guest on the podcast. So if you're happy to come on, mate, you'll be on. <laughs> you absolute beauty. And just before I go and just bow out, i just got to do one thing, and that is eat <laughs> shit, Jack. See, see you later.